All right, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. So today we're going to do part two of what we looked at last week, the building anointing. Of course, when you start um, teaching about speaking in tongues, um, it just blows up because it is such a controversial um, topic, which I didn't really think it would be. My wife said to me, she said, wow, you come back from Sukkot and pick a, a controversial topic. I'm like, is it really that controversial? It isn't to me because I feel that over the years there's been a balance in my life to be able to weigh these things out. And, but I think for some, maybe it is. So we're going to continue on with this study after Sukkot. Why? Because at Sukkot, those that came here in Oregon, we got to experience the ingathering of the tribes that truly inspired me to be able to see all these people that I hadn't met before coming in from all over the nations um, for the Feasts of Yahuwah. And I saw, this is amazing what's happening. So in all of that, what's the purpose of last week's teaching? What on earth is the purpose of tongues? And where is it in the Torah? Well, today we're going to drill down into three things. We're going to drill down into the heart, Hebrew, Lev, the heart. We're going to deal, um, drill down into the Ruach, the spirit. And we're going to look at gathering, gathering, the heart, the spirit, and gathering, because Yahweh is doing an amazing thing, and it is gathering the whole house of Israel, which consists of all 12 tribes, James chapter 1, and the sojourner that will join with them. There is going to be one Torah, it says in Numbers, one law for all. There's not going to be a law for the Jews and a law for the Gentiles. There's going to be one Torah that is going out from biblical Zion, and the master is going to gather the whole house of Israel, two sticks, one in his hand. So the Torah is going out to the tribes and the feast sites, that's what we got to experience. The biblical feast sites are where this interconnectiveness of the building is actually coming together. So there's hope, there's inspiration, and there's power in the word of Yahuwah. So at the time of the first exodus... Um, Moshe made Israel into an, into an assembly. Now, as we find ourselves, I think, on the precipice of what the prophet Jeremiah calls a greater exodus, an even greater ingathering from the nations, even greater than what they experienced back at the history of time in Egypt, wouldn't it be just like Yahuwah to make us into an assembly through the supernatural building and gathering anointing that actually brings healing to our souls, brings healing to our bodies and flesh, and brings healing, most importantly of all, to the spiritual you and the spiritual me. That sets us free so then we can start to manifest Yahweh's glory in a sick and twisted world that is dying and decaying and it's not cohesive at all. It's fracturing and divisive. So while Yahuwah is bringing cohesiveness and ingathering to his people, the world is fracturing apart. So you can, I and I can really be a light to the nations when we can manifest the interconnectiveness of his word. I want to look at the Torah base for tongues, like I mentioned last week, just as a platform, because we're still going to look at this Holy Spirit in gathering. Numbers chapter 11, verse 23. And Yahuwah said to Moshe, is Yahuwah's arm too short? You shall now see whether my word meets you or not. And Moshe went out and told the people the words of Yahuwah. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of Israel and set them all around the tabernacle. And Yahuwah came down in a cloud and he spoke to him and he took the Ruach, the spirit that was upon him, that's Moshe, and he gave it to the 70 elders. There was a transference of supernatural power. You cannot deny that. There was a transference of the spirit. 
That's supernatural. And it came to pass that when the Ruach rested upon them, they prophesied the Hebrew word there, Nabah, and they did not cease. Prophesied, the Hebrew word Nabah, meaning to pour forth words of praising, edification, prophecy, and songs of divine power. Sometimes even in a tongue unknown to the hearers. That's the tongues of angels. In 1 Corinthians 13.1 does make a distinction that shouldn't be overlooked between the tongues of men, which appeared in Acts chapter 2, and the tongues of angels that Paul gives us strict guidelines on how to use them in order in 1 Corinthians 14. The tongues of angels, 1 Corinthians 14, must be done in a strict order to bring forth edification. The tongues of men, Acts chapter 2, is to disseminate the gospel message to people in another language that they know that the speaker may not. But there is a distinction, 1 Corinthians 13, between the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. And then Mark chapter 6 verse 17 makes another distinction that we can't overlook and that's that the tongues future believers would be speaking would not would not be a pre-existing language tongues commonly used by the common nations but brand new tongues. That is Mark chapter 6 verse 17. Yahushua tells that you're going to use new tongues. Not some common language that's already in existence, but new tongues. So the building anointing, we're in the days where prophecy is being fulfilled in our very midst. If we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. But my people lack vision, saith Yahuwah. So the vision is so important because we're in the days of the plowman. The exiled tribes of Joseph have overtaken the reaper, the tribe of Judah. And the treader of grapes, those of us that recognize that Messiah is our bruised master, have overtaken him that soweth seed. Because the house of Judah has been sown in seed of confusion, the doctrine and dogma of the rabbis. Amos 9:11 through 13 gives us detail and of course Acts chapter 15 verse 16 and after these things I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen this is prophecy and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. So if Yahweh is doing something in our day and age, it's not going to be something that he's inventing, but it is going to be, we're going to see the shadow in the Torah. But it's going to be greater than what Moses did because it's going to be through the works of Mashiach, Yahushua, and the Holy Spirit being transferred just as it was transferred off of Moses onto the people. Didn't the Holy Spirit get transferred from the Father down to his people in Acts 2? And again, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, it is now being manifest in our midst. We must discern between the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. But what's wrong with many of us and what's wrong with Christian Zionism is that we listen to teachers that wanted to rebuild the house of Judah. But we can't rebuild the house of Judah. We can only rebuild the house of Israel. The house of David, a united house. So whatever Chuck Hagee's doing, it's not going to work. 
Because you cannot rebuild the house of Judah. Christian Zionism is only looking to a twelfth rather than the whole solution, which is rebuilding the fallen tabernacle of David. So now is actually the time in the Hebrew of Vayachel. Vayachel is actually a name of a Torah portion. In, in the Torah studies over the yearly cycle. And Vayachel means an assembling of Israel together. Yes, we're scattered in the nations. But Yahweh is going to Vayachel gather us together. Vayachel Kahal Moshe et Baal Edah Abenai Israel. That's what it says in the Torah. And it literally means this. And he did make an assembly, Moshe intertwined, the Hebrew word Baal, Bet-Lamed, it's spelled Bet-Lamed, it means a congregation intertwined together. Intertwined, interlinked together. And you can hear it in the Hebrew language, Vayachel, its root is Kachel, which means what? Church in the wilderness, assembly. Kahal is spelled kaf, he, lamed, and it means those called together, those interlinked and intertwined together, or a group that has the ruach upon them, they are therefore fully called. Is that what Yahweh was doing? That's what he's doing. We got to experience it. Maybe just a glimpse, but by us pressing in. So the reason that I'm so excited coming off of Sukkot and I'm not going back into Ezekiel right now and teaching on the building anointing is because Yahweh showed me and others a glimpse of what's to come through the ingathering of the tribes of Israel and the Holy Spirit being present in our midst. And I want to encourage you to press into the Holy Spirit, to press into Bible study. But it's not just Torah, it's Torah and truth and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. But we have to get rid of our prejudices from the church. But we can also not be prejudiced against those still in the church. We have to be mature and balanced. And that's what I want to talk about. Look at this wonderful root word, kahal, its origins, where we get the Hebrew word, vayachel, is Genesis chapter 28, verse 3. The church wasn't born in Acts chapter 2. The church was born back in Genesis chapter 28. See, and this is the biggest deception People believe that the church was born when the Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2. The Greek word church is ekklesia, and it appears in Acts chapter 2. Yes, for sure and for certain. But it was translated from the Greek ekklesia in the Septuagint, which was a translation of this Hebrew word kahal. So the church was truly first born in Genesis chapter 28, verse 3. This is the first mention of church in the whole Bible. So you cannot say that we're the church of Christ without saying that it originates here. And El Shaddai bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, and you shall become a kahal, an ecclesia, a church of nations. This is the birth of the church. And El Shaddai give you the bracha, the blessing of Abraham. Why do you think Paul spends so much time trying to redirect the church back to the blessing of Abraham? Something consistent in Paul's communication is to redirect these churches in crisis in the nations back to their origin, the blessings of Abraham. But no, the churches in crisis want to build a Nicolaitan pyramid, but it won't work. So Yahweh says, no, we go back to the Torah to find out how the church should really be built and it's all through in-gathering at the pilgrimage feasts. It's health, vitality, and the supernatural presence of Yahuwah. Et Baal 
et Baal, Edah, et Benai, Israel, intertwined congregation, the children of Israel. Now, Baal, I have to be careful how I pronounce that, is Bet Lamed, and it means a house of learning. Bet, the house, Lamed, is like a learning staff, something that you can lean upon. Baal means intertwined. So whatever is joined in this way actually cannot be separated. It won't fracture and it won't divide because the Ruach is in its midst and therefore what causes it to glue, gel and cohesively stay together. Does that make sense? We got to experience that. It's all able to withstand because it understands the cohesive bigger whole. All 12 tribes. Now, the numeric value of this phrase is 32, which actually equals lev in the Hebrew, or heart. As in, we all have or are supposed to have one intertwined, interconnected heart. Do we have a heart for the Father? Do we have a heart for his word? Do we have a heart for the Savior? Do we have a heart to keep his commandments? When we have that intertwined, interconnected heart, you're going to get people from diverse backgrounds coming together for the same reason. Whereas when we were in the church, it was, I mean, to be honest, it was kind of like a country club. You would find a church which kind of had people that you kind of felt you were comfortable with and you all kind of gravitated towards one another and you were kind of of the same culture. But in this Torah movement, this Torah to the tribes movement, you've got every diverse walk of life coming together and the only thing that is unifying is what? You have the heart for the things of the Father and it unifies you. Now that inspires me because that's not a click, is it? That's supernatural. So we've seen people hop on buses from Alabama and then we've seen stockbrokers come together and have fellowship. Homeless and successful all gathered together. Some of the most amazing revelation I've had has had from people with low economic status and some of the highest revelation I've had. It doesn't make any sense to us. Because Yahweh is bigger than that. It's about the interconnectedness of having a heart for the Father. Now in Exodus chapter 35 verse 1, in the construction of the first tabernacle, remember only the wise-hearted were actually involved in its construction. The title of this message is The Building Anointing. So we're going to be looking at its foundation, Moses and the tabernacle. We're going to be applying it to the heart, the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of tongues of men and angels, and what Yahweh is doing today in our time. So too, we're going to find with the fallen tabernacle of David, it's connected to the heart, the giving of the Holy Spirit. Look at the command to rebuild the tabernacle in Acts 15.8. And Yahuwah, who knows the Levanot, the heart, bore them witness. Do you see the connection? It's connected to the heart. Giving them the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, even as he did us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their leaven heart, their heart, their leaven oat, I should say, by faith. So the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David is actually connected to our heart. Can you see that? And the heart is despicably, despicably wicked above all things. Who can know it? But there's another component to the heart. Is that the heart can get bruised. The heart can get hurt. And then the heart can start to decay. So what happens for a rebuilding to happen? Yahweh needs us to lift up our hearts to him. So that he can give healing to our hearts. So that then we can be a part 
of the ingathering. And if we don't get the healing to our hearts, we'll never be able to go forward to the ingathering. Does that make sense? We can't remain stagnant. So this is also part of the revelation. Heart, the Hebrew lev, trusting with your levim. We have to trust, right? Trusting with our heart. Do you trust? Can you see the vision? Turn with me to First um, Samuel chapter 14. We're given an example here of trusting in the heart. First Samuel 14 verse 1, it is written. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Shaul, said to the young man that bore his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' watch post that is on the other side. But he told not his other. And Shaul stayed in the outskirts of Givar under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about six hundred men. And Achiah, the son of Achetuv, Ichavod's brother, the son of Pinchos, the son of Eli, Yahweh's Cohen in Shiloh, was girded with an ephod shoulder garment. And the people knew not that Jonathan had gone. Verse 4. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' watch post, there was a sharp rock. And on the one side, and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sener. One edge was on the north, over against Michmash, and the other south, over against Givar. And Jonathan said to the young man that bore his armor, Come, and let us go over to the watch post to these uncircumcised. It may be that Yahweh does work for us, for there is no limit for Yahweh to save by many or by just a few. What did he say? It may be that Yahweh does work for us, for there is no limit for Yahuwah to save by many or, by, or just by a few. Now think of it for a minute. You're in this perilous situation with Jonathan and the armor bearer. There's a whole bunch of Philistines and your neck is on the line. And this is the best that Jonathan can do. Jonathan tells his armor bearer, whom he'd requested to follow him into the battle, just two things. That's it. Hey, I want you to come into battle with me. It could be the last thing we ever do together. You know, we may die. But hey, I want to give you two words of comfort. It may be, I mean, it's not, you know, 100% or anything. It may be that Yahweh will work for us. There's no guarantees. That's the first thing he says. I'm still not like breeding confidence here. I'm not like, oh yeah, right on. And the second thing he says is, uh, there's actually nothing here to prevent Yahweh from saving us. I mean, I'm still not sold on going in to battle against this whole army of Philistines based upon this two statements. Maybe Yahweh will be with us. And uh, there's nothing out there to prevent him from actually saving us. What is this all about? Would this instill great confidence in you? I mean, I'm not feeling super confident about this whole endeavor. There's not exactly a whole lot to go on, is there, in the passage? And what is the armor bearer's response? Look at verse 7. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your... In your what? Do... Oh, this is it. Do all that is in your heart, turn and see that I am with you according to your heart. My testimony is, things have happened in my life, my whole life, that yes, have affected my heart. I have been broken, wounded, and hurt, and so many things, as so many of you have. And ultimately, what do we do with that? 
Do we turn to alcohol, drugs, womanizing the world and all of that? Do we seek the wisdom of men and go and get some counseling where they're going to deal with psychiatry and psychology, which is just going to address your soul and your flesh? Or do we take our heart unto Yahweh? I have learned to take my heart unto Yahweh. Because I know, because the Ruach HaKodesh lives in me when there is, and I use this term so many times, that high octane ping. When you're talking about someone, thinking about someone, or praying for that someone, hopefully, and you get that, <clears throat> that means the work is not yet done in your heart. That you still have to work with Yahweh to work it out of your heart so eventually you get to a place where you can pray for your brother once, twice, or 70 times seven. And when you get to that point, whatever upset, hurt, anger that you've had will actually turn to compassion. And the moment it turns to compassion, then you know that you've been delivered and then your heart is safe with Yahuwah and you're ready for the next season. I got to experience that at Sukkot because I got to walk down to the waters of Mikvah and I felt compassion for the first time, compassion on all those that weren't there and I got to see my son go into the waters of Mikvah based upon an experience that Yahweh had with him that affected his heart. So yes, we all know the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things if it is left unattended. But the converse of that is the heart is the key to the reconstruction of the tabernacle of David. The heart is the key to the successes in our families and marriages. Because ultimately, what will we do when things affect our heart? Leave them to stagnate? Or will we push in and lift our hearts up to Yahuwah and ask him to nurture them and bring forth the healing. But you have to be interconnected with Yahweh for that work. The armor bearer knew what? Even though Jonathan didn't instill great confidence, the armor bearer knew the heart of Jonathan. He knew that Jonathan's heart was right and had been purified with the Father and therefore he could trust him. When things aren't clear, this is the message. I'm being long-winded. I apologize. But when things aren't clear, trust leads to safety. And the reason that catastrophic things happen in people's lives is down to one thing. They lose trust in somebody, in something, in their faith, in their family. It's a loss of trust. If you don't trust the father, the people you're with, your wife, your husband, if you don't trust them, then you'll never follow them into battle. You'll never be there in the battle. Do you see? This armor bearer, he didn't need very much to go on. Well, maybe Yahweh will go with us. And there's nothing to prevent him from helping us out. But he's like, I implicitly trust Jonathan's heart. Therefore, I'm good to go. That's what the Father wants for his people. When I can implicitly trust the people that I'm around and the people that are around can implicitly trust me, we come together and the Spirit is in our midst. Because there's no Nicolation, there is a vacuum of trust that the Holy Spirit fills. And amazing things can happen. I never met the worship leaders ever before playing music at this Sukkot. We trusted, and look at the vacuum they stepped into. 
I never, I never um, allow, had, not allowed, I'd never had the people speak on calendar, and they were speaking different calendars, both Matthew and Charlene, and it was a vacuum filled and mutual respect and honor, and wow, look at that, they stepped in. It was the spirit, and that's just two examples, and many, many other brothers and sisters that were there for the week, they've got these same testimonies too, because if the heart becomes unlocked and set free, the spirit comes in, and Yahweh reveals revelation that you could never, ever get before. Because your logic, intellect, and reason will always fail you when the heart is locked up. Right? Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In your ways acknowledge him. In every way that you walk during the day. In everything that you do. Acknowledge Yahweh and he will direct you. Even when you don't know what's going on. He will direct you. Here I am. Here Torah to the tribes is. And he is directing us even when we didn't know where we were going. And it has been amazing. Easy? No. Hard? Yes. But why? So because everybody else, it seems, being gathered from the nations has got the same testimony. And you all need to be encouraged, strengthened, and edified and how can you be edified, strengthened, encouraged if I myself have not walked in that path? I have to walk in it so I can teach it. This is what I learn. That's part of it. And now you get to teach and other people because of your walk and your experience. What I experienced at Sukkot this year is the true covenant relationship is trusting when you don't understand all things yet and still knowing that it's okay and the relationships are worthwhile and holding on to. When Yahweh leads us in a way our mind can't fathom and oftentimes I'm like, what are we doing? Where are we going? Trust is the key to continuation, isn't it? Trust is the key to continuation. Conversely, a lack of trust flows into Desertion and disbelief. A lack of trust flows into desertion and disbelief. Remember, it's always the natural man that cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. And it leaves him uneasy with a diminished sense of faith and trust. Heart, the Hebrew heart, lev, means to know the mind and understand the vision of. So from the text we can see the remez or the hint that the armor without vision will what? Kill you. Perish. Armor without vision will kill you. You'll perish. Just as gathering without vision will perish. That's why we shouldn't be ignorant of the vision to which we are all a part. To be ignorant of the vision is what I would call, in this case, the spirit of the ignorant armor bearer. But this armor bearer, he trusted the heart of Jonathan and he could do all things. That's why in Acts 15, the raising up of the tabernacle of David... And in the Torah with Moses, the raising up of the wilderness tabernacle is always connected to the heart. Torah first mentioned in principle of construction. And do you know how many fall to not understanding these things? Many, because to push through, you've got to break through the flesh and the soul. Because my soul and your soul wants to do what? It wants to fight and defend itself. I know. When you come up against me strong, naturally I will come back up stronger. And I said to a brother at Sukkot, I said, you know, you can come at that like me. I'm six foot three and it doesn't intimidate me. I don't get intimidated. 
What will happen is I'll push back on you twice as hard and then we're like this. It's not going to go well for you. I said, but you have to understand, there are other people in the audience that aren't like me. And you're not just speaking to me anymore. There are people in the audience, there's women that have been abused. There's children that are isolated. Our audience, we have to reach out and be all things to all people and have more compassion. I can't minister as if I'm just talking to a six foot three male. Because there are others in the audience that they're not there. What happens if there's a woman that has been married for 40 years to a emotionally abusive male and then I come on strong? Am I going to be able to connect with her? Not one single bit. You see? So we have to be more compassionate and understanding. That's what Paul said. Be all things to all people. Because it's not just about me talking to somebody like me anymore. And it's not just about you ministering to somebody like you anymore. Not if we're in gathering all 12 tribes from the nations. So when Yahweh leads us in a way our mind cannot fathom, trust is the key to continuation. Conversely, like I said, a lack of trust flows into desertion and disbelief. The natural heart in all truth and reality. The natural heart is the determinating factor for the natural man. But is that all we want? The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. That's what Yahweh means. The natural heart is the determining factor to the natural man. But I don't want to be the natural me. Quite honestly, I'm repulsed by the natural me. Because the natural me is dead. And I'm not going to keep going back and resurrecting him. Does that make sense? I want to take a break here, not really a break, but bring forth the revelation of the prophet Daniel, if you want to. I'll be quick, but I think I can connect this. Daniel chapter 2. Turn there if you want to. You can also put a finger in Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. Because we have to understand... What's that? It's going to be either 42 or 44. <laughs> oh, he's all right. What are you doing? Look at the, the, prophet, the prophet, prophetic word. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel, Daniel chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 1, there's an interconnectiveness. It's prophecy. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, Yahuwah, and in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, Yahuwah is showing things to his servants through angels, and for some, we are seeing it's actually the tongues of angels, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. If you look at the text of Daniel, it is actually projecting into the future, which is why John, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, uses the very phraseology of Daniel chapter 2, because Revelation 1 is prophecy, right? As is Daniel 2, Revelation 1 is further down the prophetic line. Now, Daniel chapter 2, a troubled spirit... Or the spiritual you or spiritual me steals sleep. When my spirit or your spirit is troubled, Daniel chapter 2, what happened? The king could not sleep because his spirit was troubled. But this is prophecy, so it does actually apply to you and I. Because this is all, ultimately Daniel 2 is about rebuilding and regathering from the nations. That's why he had the vision. But the problem is, many of our spirits are troubled. The spiritual you and the spiritual me is troubled when we lose sleep. It's a spiritual problem. Daniel 2 verse 1. And what happens when we're left without sleep? We begin to get anxious. The spiritual me gets anxious. Daniel chapter 2 verse 5, a troubled spiritual you left unaddressed 
and unhealed will cut you up in pieces and leave you and your household on the ash heap void of spiritual revelation. Void of spiritual discernment because you'll be living in the soul and fleshly divide. Daniel chapter 2 verse 5. But an awakening of the gift in you and the manifestation of that gift in you affects the heart and then Yahweh pours out his gifts and rewards and great honor. Daniel 2, Revelation 1. The connection is signified. And some of you are like, what is he talking about? But I'm going to make the connection now. Signified is a word translated into the Greek number 4591 from the Aramaic and Hebrew word yada, to know intimate revelation. There's another Hebrew word, da'at, which means to have common knowledge of. I have common knowledge of the per my barista. I don't know my barista intimately. Da'at. But, like a man knows his wife, he's to know her yada intimately. That is the special, special secret inner heart, inner workings. That's how we're to know Yahushua. Remember, Yahushua said, many will come to me at the end of days, and they go, Master, Master. And he said to them, I never yada you. I never knew you intimately like a man knows his wife. Oh, oh, I know you, da'at. You've experimented with me. You know, you thought you'd try me on for a little bit and walk around with a little bit of Jesus, but you never did what I said, which was keep my commands. I don't, yada, intimately know you. Away from me, you workers of iniquity. The Greek word there is a without nomia Torah. So experiencing or experimenting with Jesus means that you just da'at. You've experienced him, and you experiment with him maybe once a week. That's not what we're called to. We're called to special revelation. Yada, like a man knows his wife. And this is what John the Revelator talks about, and Daniel talks about in Daniel chapter 2. Because this Greek word, which is Greek number 4591 and the Hebrew word yada, appears in Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 and its origins are in Daniel chapter 2 verse 28, Daniel 2 chapter 30 and Daniel 2 chapter 2 verse 45. So I think I misspoke. Daniel 2 verse 28 verse 30 and verse 45. Yahweh is going to reveal the secrets to his servants in the latter days. And it's connected to this building anointing. With visions and dreams, the prophet Joel says, which relate to those scattered in the nations. The vision of Daniel chapter 2 is about the nations. And it's connected to the heart, Daniel 2.30, the building anointing. You'll have to study that more in your own time. But there is serious connection in that building framework. Because if my heart and your heart isn't working properly, you won't see it. And you can't live a, a full, ruach, spirit-filled life. If we have a heart malfunction, we cannot live a full, spiritual life. Yahushua had a heart that was functioning like pure, pure gold. The frequency that Yahushua's heart was at perfection. And he revealed his heart to all. When Lazarus died, Yahushua cried. He revealed his heart to the money changers, didn't he? He exposed his heart to those very money changers. He revealed his heart when revelation remained hidden to the religious spirits. 
but it was revealed to babes. Matthew 15, 7. You hypocrites. While did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, this people draws near to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And King David prayed. What did he pray? For a clean heart and a right ruach, a right spirit. Because the two are interconnected. If we get deliverance, if we get deliverance, it's because a clean heart produces a right spirit. True power over unclean spirits comes not by not allowing them to have a part of your heart, right? You can't let familiar spirits have a part of your heart. You can't let unclean things have a part of your heart. That's why, sorry to bring this up, I hate using this word, but pornography is so detrimental to believers because if you even look at a woman like that, you have what? Committed adult? Because it affects your heart. You, it pollutes your heart. You can't do that. You'll never be clean with Yahweh. We have to be clean and pure in our thought life, in our actions, words, and deed. Because if we're not, then our heart gets soiled and we will never be spirit filled. Because people are bound up in their hearts. And when you free the heart, the spirit comes in and it's supernatural. And then there's the interconnectedness and the revelation starts to flow. Clean hearts promote clean consciences. Our heart determines the quality of life we live. The quality of life we live affects our ability to be effective in ministry. And I'm not the only one here in ministry. You all are. You all are. And there's only two. There is only two types of people that can fulfill the, build, the call to build what Yahweh is building, which is the fallen tabernacle of David. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's turn there together. Now, Verse 4, there are diversities of the gift. There are diversities of the gift. Check your translations. Most of your translations will have this mistranslated and they'll say there are diversity of gifts. But that is not what the text says. That's a later edition. The Greek word that's used here is charisma. Charisma. It's singular. Now, it's a singular neuter noun to be even more descriptive. It's gift. Charismata is the plural and it's actually absent from the text. Charismata is not in the text. So if your Bible says gifts, it is using a, the Greek word charismata that is not in any Bible text. Which Does your guys say gifts or gift? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's inserting a word that doesn't even belong in the Bible. It's not even there. Oh, it is slanted. It's italicized, which is a note. Is yours the King James Version? New American Standard is one of my favorite, if we're going to use a standard Bible, and the New King James, because they are at least decent enough to italicize when they add things to the text. But the NIV, they don't even bother. The, um, the BLT, the bacon, lettuce, and tomato version, the NLT, they don't even bother to italicize. I mean, they just put it right in. So the New American Standard and the New King James, at least you know what you're working with. They go, okay, we'll, we'll italicize this because it's not really there, but most people won't bother to check. We check, right? Now, there are diversities of the gift, but the same Ruach. 
And there are differences in callings, but the same master, Yahweh. And there are diversities of powers and manifestations, but it is the same Eloah who works all and through all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit himself and to all others. So the Holy Spirit is actually there to help you. It's supposed to profit you, but it's also supposed to profit others. For to one is given by the Ruach the word of Hokmah, Here's the wise-hearted wisdom. And to another, the word of da'at, knowledge, by the same spirit. To another, faith, by the same spirit. And to another, the gift of healing, by the same spirit. To another, the working of Nisim, signs. To another, prophecy. To the another, the discerning of the Emet Ruach, the true spirit. To another, diverse kind of languages. To another, the interpretation of diverse languages. But all these things are done by that one and the same Ruach. Dividing to every man individually as who wills? He wills. Meaning what? The willing hearted get the manifestations. If you don't want it, will you get it? No. Verse 28. And Yahweh has set some in the Israelite congregation, first Shlechim, apostles, secondary Nevim, prophets, thirdly teachers, and afterwards Yahweh works differently in every Israelite's right, life. That Nesim signs, then the operation of healings, Helpers, leaders, and diverse languages. Verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of signs? Do all have the operation from the gift or healings? Do all speak with diverse languages? Do all interpret? But seek earnestly the best operations. Meaning, Whatever's the best for the solution or the situation that you're in. You have to be use discernment. What situation are you in? Then use the best manifestation of the gift in that situation. Do you need to prophesy into that person's life? Then use the, the manifestation of prophecy. Do you need to edify that person? Then manifest the gift right there through edification. Do you need to cut through all of the carnal realm then may and hear a word from Yahuwah, then you need to speak in the tongues of angels to get the revelation so that you can cut through all the red tape, the carnality of man. And therefore you'll be able to divide and pierce asunder and get to the very root of the problem that all of the counseling and debating in the world will never get to the root of. This is what he's talking about. But seek earnestly the best manifestations for the situation and yet I will show you a more excellent way the more excellent way is to operate love and all the manifestations you will will come forth willingly from your heart because there are two types of people that can fulfill the building of the fallen tabernacle of David the wise-hearted which is the gift in a specific operation, and the willing-hearted, the gift in multiple operations. That's the distinction. The wise-hearted build the tabernacle, Exodus 35, 10 through 20, and then 1 Corinthians 12, the willing come first, then the wise. Because the willing, you'll find, operate the gift into manifestations. The nine manifestations of the gift. They're bringing all the materials needed for a solution to a conflict. Right? How many tools would you like in your toolbox? One or nine? I'd rather have nine and then discern which one I need for the particular situation. If you have the gift, the Holy Spirit, you can have nine manifestations of that gift. But there's not nine gifts. There's one gift, the Holy Spirit, and then you get nine manifestations. You may choose to only take one tool out of the toolbox, but the gift has given you nine. 
But you have to will it. You have to want it. You have to have the faith in your heart and with Yahweh to move forward to operate it. Nine operations and the wise always excel in the operation of the word of wisdom. Because that word of wisdom actually builds up the construction of the tabernacle of David, all 12 tribes. Now in each stage of construction, whether it's in the Torah, in the prophets or the New Testament, there's an outlaying principle that I want to to um, show you here because in each stage of construction in the wilderness tabernacle and the new tabernacle there's always first the willing which is the gift in operations distributing to each one individually as he wills you're willing if you can look at first corinthians 12:11 you'll see that language and then there's the wise that's the gift in a specific operation hokma wisdom or knowledge the word of wisdom you're wise first corinthians 12:8 you'll see that language there and then it goes on to say but all these are done by that one and the same spirit dividing to every man individually as he will do you will it do you will it will it for to the one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom and to another the word of knowledge but it's all by the same holy spirit it's really understanding do you and i have a willingness that leads to the spiritual wisdom of that manifestation. And if you and I aren't willing, we won't receive. We won't receive. In the Torah, Moses had support from the chief architect. His name was Baziel. In the Haftarah, in the prophets, King Solomon had support from the gifted artisan Hiram. And you and I, do you think Yahweh's going to leave, leave us alone as we're in the midst of rebuilding the fallen tabernacle of David? If he gave Moses Bezial and he gave, he gave King Solomon Hiram, then is he going to give us help as well for what we need in the construction? Even more so. We are given the cornerstone. The Rosh Pinar in the Hebrew, Yahusha. And he's given us support, first, the, the apostolic, second, the prophetic, third, the teaching. And at Sukkot this year, amongst us, we all experienced all three which aided in the construction and outpouring that many experienced. Look at the verbal parallelisms between these four Hebrew phrases. Chokmah, which is wisdom. Tevunah, which means ability. Da'at, which means knowledge. And then there's this Hebrew phrase. Kol melah chacha. Executing all work or gifts. And if we go back to the Torah base with Bezial and the raising up of the tabernacle... Bezial was actually endowed with wisdom, Hokma, ability, Tevunah, and knowledge, Da'at, in every kind of craft. Here's the phrase linkage. Uvechol mela ka. Uvechol kela ka. Exodus 35, verses 30 and 31. There's this linkage of constructing and how Yahweh wants the fallen tabernacle to be built. From Bezial and Moses, from King Solomon and Hiram, to the fallen tabernacle of David with Yahusha as the cornerstone and the giftings and help received through the fivefold ministry, which isn't a Nicolaitan pyramid system. It's actually... A funnel, the gathering of the tribes from all the world to the three pilgrimage feasts where there can be the binding up of those that are broken, that they then go out healed and expand the funnel. That's the vision. 
But first, there had to be a deconstruction before there could be a rebuilding. That's what the prophet Isaiah said. Sometimes you've got to take it down to the studs before you can. So what an amazing journey. And now people are starting to see. I'm starting to see clearly like I've never seen before. And this is the word of Yahuwah being brought forth from the Torah to the prophets, to the Brit Hadashah, New Testament, and it's all interconnected to the people of Yahuwah. And this isn't just my sole experience. Other people have got the same witness that are coming in that I've never met before. Like, oh my goodness, you've been speaking directly to my heart for the past six months. How is that possible? Because this is a move of Yahuwah in the nations to regather. But we've all got to get through our brokenness to get that healing. Which will enable us to go out and expand the funnel to then give testimony to Yahuwah's glory in this sick, twisted and divided and what we're soon going to see, actual fractured world. And the only cohesiveness will be with the saints be 144,000 of them. Amazing. Amazing. Proverbs says, above all things, guard your heart. Thank you. Yes. So in the Torah, we have Bezial. He was endowed with this gifting. In the half Tyra, we had Hiram. He was endowed with the same gifting. Hokma, skill, ability, tevanah, knowledge, da'at, for executing all work. And the same phrases used. Kol melaka in bronze. First Kings 7 verse 14. In bronze. Judgment. And in the New Testament, Shlechim, the apostles, are given the ability, here's the Hebrew word, Tevunah, to operate the gift in the word of knowledge, Da'at, and for executing all the work, here's the phrase, Kol Milaka, you lose it in the Greek, in the King Jimmy, obviously you lose it, of the Ruach HaKodesh in nine operations to build the fallen tabernacle of David, and that's what some of us are experiencing. To think you can raise up the fallen tabernacle of David without the spirit-filled body stepping into it is not going to work. You've got to have the spirit. You have to. It's the building and regathering anointing that some of us are experiencing. And that is truly what the pilgrimage feasts are all about. We just need to bypass our understanding, 1 Corinthians 14, and connect with the voice of Yahuwah. Then prophesy the revelation to unlock us to the freedom and anointing that all of my study, my logic, my reason and intellect can never unlock by itself unless I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you and I can't try and reverse engineer this stuff. It doesn't work that way. You can't reverse engineer your way into the presence of Yahuwah. That's what the Messianic and Hebrew Roots movement has been trying to do. I tried. You're trying to reverse engineer your way back into the presence of Yahuwah. Because you're like, oh, what we've been taught in the church is wrong. Yeah, but don't throw it all out and then try and reverse engineer your way from the prophets all the way and then you get stuck in the Torah because you're trying to reverse engineer your way into the presence of Yahuwah. It doesn't work. The power of Yahuwah doesn't flow from the flesh, the court of the Gentiles, through to the soul, the holy place, and into the spirit, the holy of holies. It doesn't work that way. That is logic, intellect, and reason, and it will only pierce the carnal veil, the carnal you, and leave you in a soulish lifestyle. And these people become super souls. And those in the flesh look at them and go, oh, they're so spiritual. No, they're just super souls. And the only reason you're looking up to them as super souls is because you're so in the flesh. 
But if we pierce the veil in the spirit, you'll have the discernment to say, no, that is just a super soul that is stuck in their will and emotions and projecting that onto you in the flesh and keeping you stuck. Yahweh wants to set us free because we all need to connect to the spiritual you and I through the Ruach HaKodesh and leave that stuff behind. Once you pierce the veil of heaven, that is the Holy of Holies, by bypassing your understanding, your spiritual you will hear directly from the Holy Spirit that still small voice connected to the higher you. The Spirit is in the Holy of Holies and it is supposed to break through the soul, the holy place, and then break through the holy place and be manifest in the material world, the court of the Gentiles. Why is it that so few people are breaking through because they're trying to reverse engineer it? And that just ends up with a super soul. I can only teach where I've walked. And I have been a super soul. I have been a carnal man. And I have now been shown the error of my ways to try and help you so that you don't have to walk down the road that I had to walk. Thank Yahweh that I've learned. And I've only learned through reflecting upon the heart of the matter and the construction of the tabernacle. I'm inspired like never before. And people, I think, should be if we really understand the day and age that we live in. Because Daniel 2 and John the Revelator, Revelation 1 verse 1, tells us that this would happen in our day. It would happen in our day. Everything that the prophets have envisioned... But it ultimately starts with us alone in prayer with the Father, laying up our heart, flaying it open, and putting it on the altar of sacrifice so that he can do the deep work. And then the Holy Spirit comes in, gets rid of all the arguments, all the contention, all the debate, and the supernatural spiritual you will defeat every super soul and fleshly encounter that you ever come into. I know. I've seen miracles this past month, supernatural miracles. So praise Yahweh. I hope that this makes sense. I know I've strung a lot of thoughts together, but it's like I just can't come back from Sukkot and not share the amazing testimony and jump right back in Ezekiel. We'll get to Ezekiel in another two weeks, but this to me is just so exciting and I'm so just blessed to have the support and to be ready for these pilgrimage feasts and for the funnel vision. Funnel, that's it. Praise Yah. Amen. Blessings.